This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, the big freeze goes on, but do you have the heating turned up and aim to continue at full blast? And the top flight returns, but United's song for Christmas is the only way is up. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. <laughs> I'm Tom Duthie and that's Graham Finnan's phone. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's a fine. What a start. Glorious beginning to this week's episode, which is already, even before we've started recording, it's been bereft by, by, by technical problems. With us this week, for a while at least, is George Cran. Morning. As you've already heard, Graham Finnan, Graham oh. Naughty Step Finnan, apologies. Is here. apologies everyone, totally unprofessional there. Hello. You, yeah. you could have done the, the old manager trick if it happens in a press conference and yeah. answer it and then... Yeah, yeah. Ah, you know, I did it, yeah. And possibly, but maybe not, we'll be joined on the line from London where he's at the working man's archery uh, by Ewan Smith. But technical problems mean we might not be those technical problems being the person that sets up the equipment's no here yet. <laughs> it was ever thus with our level of professional, professional gentlemen. <laughs> I was at a Christmas party last night, that's my excuse. No. And this week, because George has got to go, we'll start with Dundee. And actually, before I do, last week I was remiss, age thing forgot, to mention that we are well aware of the betting story regarding uh, one current and one former Dundee player, but as it's a legal matter, that's really all we can say about it. Although I'm looking forward to Dundee's 3-0 win over Cove on Saturday with two goals in the first half and the third coming <laughs> in the 70th minute. Boom, boom, that was a joke. <laughs> right, George, yeah. anyway, talk of 3-0 wins. You predicted they'd go and get their first competitive success at the Falkirk Stadium, and they did. They did. It feels like a long time ago now, the Thursday. Of course it is. I know, well, it's a week. You get to my yeah, age, you're exactly. like, mm, yeah. that might be half my life. <laughs> uh, they, they made pretty easy work of it in the end, to be honest. They started off really, really well, grabbed the penalty, which surprised me that John McGlynn was so angry that it got given against his team, but it was a stick-on penalty. Zach Rodden just about stuck it away and then he had another one shortly after and, and Dundee were fairly comfortable. I think it ended up, they took their foot off the pedal a wee bit and Falkirk kind of came back to, into it, but Finn Robertson is a goal machine now, stepped up and curled in a fine effort to kill it off and that's yeah first ever win at the Falkirk Stadium. Sixth win in a row in all competitions. First time since 1974. You've no, you've, no. No, is, it, no, is that wrong? You've run it there. The last oh, time no, they won the seven. last time they won seven. Yeah. So I can't read. So that'll be next week. I must week's have podcast. been at a Christmas party last night and I didn't know. <laughs> that'll be next week's podcast. Possibly. If they can uh, you've add drinks it. it man. Well, yeah. I've been writing today in, in the paper about Dundee's best runs over the years and it's, it's only their best teams who win seven in a row. So that. And I have to say, Bear will bear this out, Bear, Bear. Mm -hmm. um, that was a team in 74, wasn't it? A team that should have won more. Yeah, they should have. They should have. I mean, they'd won the, they'd won the League Cup in December 73, and they got to the semi-finals. That was the, they beat, they played, in every round they played a team above them in the league. Yeah. yeah. Aberdeen, Hibs, mm -hmm. Rangers they beat, and I think they eventually yeah. lost to lost Celtic, Celtic in, in the, the semi-finals. Semi semi yeah, As they always did in those days. Yeah, yeah, but they, they were, they were, a, they were a very, very successful team at that point in time, but it was, it was the, probably the end of that team, they were coming at the end of the road, and yeah. We'll, we'll know where, where it ended up very, very quickly. <laughs> it wasn't the yellow brick, brick road. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was more like Constitution Road and they yeah. were at the top heading down to the two. Yeah. But it was, yeah, that run only came a month after they'd won the League Cup. Mm -hmm. I think it was just three or four games after, which tells you how good that was the last time Dundee won a, a major trophy. Time before, well, when they won the league, they won a mute and that was the seventh win in a row. The final day of the season, but they'd also won ten in a row earlier in that season. So it's it's only the the very mm -hmm. best the Dundee teams that win win seven. The record's thirteen. That was in nineteen forty six. Yeah. So 
we're basically setting them right up here yeah. for, for this game against Cove, <laughs> a part-time outfit. Nineteen forty-six yeah. when the blue, uh, oh no, nineteen forty-six was when they got promoted. They blew the they blew the league on final day a couple of years later under the legendary George Anderson, owner manager. So what happens when you're brought up with Dundee fun you hear about <laughs> <laughs> other people got told about the war, we got told about war. Well, we blew the league that year. So yeah, so it's uh be a bit, bit of history obviously it doesn't win you anything it's still december but it would set up that big game at air united on the 23rd seven wins in a row at their back and and whatever the results are on saturday it's going to be a, a major kind of impact on the top two as it stands with dundee and air the top two separated by one point so it'd be a huge match whatever happens this weekend uh, it's maybe time for them to I mean, they've made a statement by winning mm. six in a row, Bear, but what a statement it would be if they win the next two. Not half. Not half. And I think, you know what? Yeah. When Gary Boyer came in, he had them playing in a certain way right at the start of the season. And I thought, this is this is looking really good, George. They were passing the ball about well. They were creating opportunities and keeping the ball well. And then they sort of lost their way a wee bit. And, you know, through September, October time, where the team was being changed consistently and... They lost it for a bit, but now I'm seeing they see me back on on the ball again in terms of what they're trying to do and how they're trying to go about winning games. And what I'm seeing now, Tom, is they, are, they do look like the best team in that league. They look like the best footballing yeah. team in that league. That doesn't guarantee you you are going no. to win the league. But I'll tell you what, it gives you a right good chance. Um, and even sort of the substitutes coming on, are, as Gary mm -hmm. Boyer has always said, they're making an impact you know, in, on the team in terms of they're adding to performances, even when it's a good performance, they're doing something, but they're also coming on in fresh legs, and that's killing teams at times. You saw, we've seen it a couple of times now, you know, Dundee are able to bring on three first-team players, effectively, fresh legs, and, you know, they're dominating games. So, yeah, set up nicely for them against Cove. Um, they do have a score to sell, because yeah. that was one of the lowest points of the season, George, up there that night when, you know... I mean, fair play to Cove, the, the guy Connor Scully scored a couple of fantastic goals, I've got to say, but it was a poor performance from Dundee. Um, so they should be well aware of what Cove have got to offer. Like Mitch Meganson, he's a guy who can score anywhere, Tom, in, in, in any division. So they've got to be aware of that. But the way Dundee are playing just now, I'm expecting a victory on Saturday. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Was the, that was the last defeat in the league as well. Yeah. Cove yeah. It was the start of October, I think. It was mm -hmm. Thursday. It's, it's been a long run. George, you see them every week at their training and on the pitch, or almost every week. Strikes me, I mean, even with the five sub things, which you see a lot of games, even right up to World Cup level, can really disrupt the flow of a game. But mm. Dundee, everybody seems to be singing from the same hymn sheet just now. Everybody knows what their job is and, and what they're doing. Yeah, I think they've, they've hit the kind of perfect note in terms of having that competition for places, because everybody talks about you want competition for places and people yeah. pushing. But Dundee, Dundee are the perfect example of that at the moment. We spoke to Luke McCowan last week, who hadn't had started against Partick and then got hooked at halftime and hadn't had really struggled to get back in, even though he, he came on and scored against Airdrie and stuff like that. But he was talking about how frustrated he'd been, basically having to sit on the bench. But he couldn't argue because the boys on the pitch were, were, were doing the business. But he showed on, on Thursday, he got his chance because there was quite a few missing. There was what, mm -hmm. seven or eight missing, I think. Um, he came in, played really well, set up the second goal with a, a cracking cross um, and, and kind of put his case forward to be back in the team for this Saturday and, and gave Gary Boyer a, a decision to make. He'd, he spoke about that this week as well, that he would, if any player who's unhappy about not being in the team, if they're going to sulk, then they can sit and sulk he says yeah so in a roundabout way it was a compliment to the attitude that he scored exactly he was really saying they're not doing that because we've seen when we've talked about sean bond a lot in the, this podcast we've seen well he didn't sulk he, he kind of got his head down and said i'm going to get myself back into this team and he, yeah he had to be patient and a lot of players have, have had to be patient we've seen guys like lee ashcroft came back from injury and didn't get straight back and he had to wait on the bench for a, a wee while and it doesn't matter kind of who you are coming back if the guy on the pitch is, is doing the business, then he gets to keep the the strip. And I think the players are kind of realising that that's, that's, that's going to be the case, that they'll get a fair crack of the whip. 
uh, I think that's kind of paying off while the team's playing well. I, well. I'm just thinking they're very... Gary Boyer seems to be a very old-school manager mm -hmm. in that sense. Now there's a... And again, you know what? The thing with England comes to mind that Gareth Southgate's very loyal to players, whether they've been out injured or whether they've not been playing well. If they've mm -hmm. done it for him, Boyer seems to be a guy that... Which used to often be the case with managers, that if for any reason you drop out and the man who replaces you plays well, even though it's not your fault you dropped mm -hmm. out, you're still going to be out of the team. Yeah, yeah, and he's getting rewards for that, Tom, because the guys who are coming on realise that and realise they've got to do something to get themselves mm. back in the team. They've got to do something a, a, a bit more than, you know, maybe they would normally... You're, nobody's guaranteed. We've seen Zach Robinson, who I think everybody would accept has, has done these best striker in, in terms of hold-up playing, link-up playing. He gets a few goals as well. Now, he's been out injured for a bit, but apparently he's on the mend, George. You know, he could be back in the plans this week. Yeah, well, hopefully that's where I'm shooting off to, to go and speak yeah. to the, the manager. So hopefully but we'll get a just Even if he is fit, and just as we've, we've spoken... Get your I would, tomorrow. Yeah, uh, hmm? yeah. Get your tomorrow. Yeah. Exactly. But I, I don't think he'll yeah. be straight no, on the team. No, even if he is. No. Exactly, exactly. He'll, he'll, he'll go with Zach Runner, I would imagine, because yeah. he's got a couple of goals. And that's a great position for, for the manager to be in. And... Uh, it's sound logic, isn't it? If your second best player in any position yeah. is helping you win games, it's great to have a better yeah. player in reserve. Yeah, but it's good for the, it's good for it's good for the manager, it's good for the team, it's good for morale in the camp for anybody who is out knowing yeah. if I do well, I'm going to get a jersey and I'm going to keep a jersey if I keep doing well. Mm. And that's the way football should be. It doesn't matter who you are. We've seen it. We saw it with Portugal in the World Cup. Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, hit the wall on the bench, <laughs> as he said. Repeatedly, even the greatest have to do it sometimes. If the manager makes a call, the team's performing well. You have to wait for your chance, and it's up to you to take it when it comes along. Now, the, 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 pe the, the beauty of that is the players that have have been taking those chances, mm -hmm. as we spoke about Sean Byrne. Like, then he got injured, and Finn Robertson comes in and he, he played well on, on Thursday, got another goal, which yeah. is new for <laughs> Sean uh, for Finn Robertson. We never really saw him take a shot, but, but he's it's funny how his manager said that's what he was capable of, mm -hmm. yeah. So obviously he's seen something a wee bit different. Obviously fresh eyes coming in, and he probably hadn't seen Finn Robertson play before mm -hmm. he came up here. So he had no kind of preconception of what type of player he was, and, and saw something different in him. And it, it's paying off because Finn Ro it looks more like his old self in terms of a confident player on the ball and, and looking like he can really get back in that Dundee team. We're also at a stage where you pointed out just a few weeks ago, George, the amount of people who are actually out of contract. Everybody. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So there's there's one thing you've got to play for another contract at Dundee, or if you're not playing for a contract mm -hmm. at Dundee, you've got to play well enough to have to get a contract somewhere else. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So if you, they're in that sort of position in the summer, they're going to be looking for a wage, some of them. So, mm. you know, this is not the time to down tools. I've got to say, I'm, I'm very sort of... Hopeful that Dundee have got the wheels in motion to get a lot of these young guys, especially, signed up on yeah. deals. Yeah, it's uh, time would, is would, ticking I, on, isn't it? I would hate to see a few of them disappear because it looks like that. You know, they're all coming to an age now where they're they're going to sort of we're going to see the potential that they've had. But Dundee will get the benefit of that over the next eighteen months, twenty four months. I'd hate to see them leaving mm. and, and Dundee not getting the the, the, the chance. Right. To Maybe not on the park. It struck yeah. me there as George said, Finn Robertson looked like his old self. Well, a year of Finn Robertson looking like his old mm. self could be a seven figure fee for Dundee. Yes, yeah. he's he's got that much talent. I don't want to put pressure on him, <laughs> but I have. Uh, well, he's out of contract as well. So, yeah. but I mean, he's a massive Dundee fan I mean it's all his life he's part of the uh, the joy History of is littered with massive <laughs> Dundee fans who took a hundred quid for more yeah. from somewhere else yeah. it's a job I know but it doesn't feel like you'd be one to easily jump ship it would have to be a, a really good I think, this, I think him in particular the sensible thing for him is to spend another year or so re-establishing himself as a first-team player. Yeah, because he's been out of the team for so long that yeah. I think that start of Falkirk was only his second since July 2021, something like that. Mm -hmm. So it, it just hasn't been anyone either. There's also, uh, you know, with the guys they've got, and you would think, well, there might be one or two teams in, in the Premier League who would, would, wouldn't mind them, but ho hopefully Dundee can persuade yeah. anyone they want to say, look, we've got a a really good chance to be playing in, in the Premier League next season, so you will get your opportunity with this club, you know. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of them there. I'd like to see 
when you deals Finn Robertson being one, Josh Mulligan another, obviously. Yeah. You know, Josh for me, Josh has gone off the boil a wee bit, a wee bit, but we've seen what he's well capable of. Yeah, he's, he's scary some of the games. Yeah, he's a big lad, a powerful yeah. lad. So he will have suits. I must admit, he looks like one yeah. that other teams will be looking at. Yeah. Because physically, we've mentioned this before, some boys come in at his age and look like they have to fill out. Mm-hmm. But physically, he looks he's like really... a man when he's on a football yeah. pitch. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, sh- he showed a bit of his early season form with that third goal. Mm-hmm. He kind of set the move going. He had just rampage down that, that right flank mm-hmm. and cut it back. Um, but yeah, he's, he'd be a huge one to to tie down it as you say Tam I think there'd be a lot of teams yeah depends what's getting, depends what's getting put under <clears throat> his nose and and what sort of contrast but as, as we say we're all very hopeful that Dundee can be yeah know, playing in that top flight so he might you know a, a contrast a contrast but as you say Tam another year at, at Dens where mm-hmm. you're probably going to get the opportunity to play you know, under, under Boyer, if, if he's still there next season and he takes on, you, you'd assume he would be there. You know, you get the chance to play week in, week out and, and keep their development going. Mm. But it'll be interesting time over the next month or so, certainly on the park and off the park to see who they're going to get. Yeah, because well, speaking to the manager, who's this was going to ask me? Yeah, it's January, going, I mean, the best time not to stand still is when you're doing well. And he looks like you have the information that he wants to add to the squad. Very much. He's, he's, he's never hidden it, to be honest. He, he obviously, he wasn't overly happy with the amount of players he got in in the summer. By the way, can you, do you know how Nothing excited does. I was when, he, when I saw that he's linked with midfielder Gilmore? <laughs> <laughs> no. Billy, come north. I, I had to uh, check it two or three times just to check that I hadn't written Billy yeah. and I'd written Charlie because it did cross my mind. Um, but no, he's, he's... And by the way, if nothing else, it's good to be it's good to be linked with a young player who you're about to play against <laughs> this weekend. Yeah, I know, it's it's cool. questionable timing, wasn't it? No, it's it's smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's Gary or no Fergie. <laughs> the new Brian Clough, so yeah. that's enough. Um... I th- yeah, I think they'll be quite busy. He certainly wants to put his own stamp in, his, in the team is, is the phrase he, he keeps using. And that's something that he feels isn't quite there yet. Mm-hmm. In terms of, he brought in Tyler French, who's been absolutely brilliant, I think. He's, um, the championship's starting to look a bit too easy for Tyler French, I think, at the back. Um, <coughs> and Derek Ossie's come in and maybe move on. Uh, <laughs> He's done well. I, he's he's got a part I, to play, Derek. He's I was, done quite I well. I was probably overly critical of him. I thought he, he looked like he, he he'd never played before when he's come off off the bench a couple of times. But it's fair to say he hadn't had a lot of football. I don't know a lot yeah. of first team football, and he was coming up into games, and he was one that looked a wee bit off it. But in the last few games, he has looked. He is a big lad when you see him. He's, yeah. he, he he's tall. He's he's powerful. I think he's got something something off of the team, and he yeah, realizes that as well. So. No, well, the jury's still out on Derek, but uh, he's, he's got a couple of goals, so... I know he's scored, start, scored yeah. three goals. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. I do think there is a part for him to play in, in the squad. I, I don't know how many starts he'll get, to yeah. be honest, but he's certainly one that can... No, it seems to make an impact up. physically when he comes off yeah. the bench. And he's, and he's, he's got himself in the right places at the right time, yeah. which is a skill that not a lot of people have, to be honest. So all credit to him. Um, if he keeps scoring goals, then who cares? Quite right too. So, do you expect Charlie Gilmore to be fixed up, and will it be for the rest of the season or for next season? Well, it be it's no pressure there. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're looking at it for the What's summer. What's his favourite colour? He's out of contract um, at St Johnston. Often though, that can be a prelude to. Well, we've seen that at Dundee already. Sign a pre-contract yeah. on January the first and sign a contract on mm. January the thirty-first. Well, that's happened the last two Januarys actually with Dundee with Sat Rudden and. Paul McMullen. Um, I'll go and ask Gary Boyer today and see what he says uh, just in the, the next hour. Um, so we'll, well find I mean, out on that George, one. George, if our technical problems persist, Bear and I will probably still be <laughs> struggling on, so you can come back and get this get this edition of Twa Teams. Yeah. Um, so we'll wait and see. He's not a player, I admit, I know a huge amount about. He's obviously been a Cove this season. He's done quite well from what I can see. He's a central midfielder. Quite a kind of powerful kind of lad. Yeah. So he's, he's done. He's done keeps well. Keeps the, the, the wor- worryingly, I mean, no, not worryingly. I mean, if he's a good player, and Boyer 
we like to sign him and he comes good, but central midfield is where Dundee are absolutely exactly. overloaded at this point in time. So does that suggest that maybe they're expecting players to well, it has on. to be. It has to be. I mean, it's just uh, economics dictate a that size of squad. Yeah. They'll be looking for rotation. But the, the thing is, a fan I hope for is if they can't get people out, they still bring people in and take the hit for at least until the summer. Because yeah. it could be promotion makes that worth it. Well, yeah, exactly. It's it's worth the gamble, isn't it? Um, well, it's, because of the payoff. They, they, they should look at that totally. Totally, you know, they, 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 would, they would be bounced back straight away, which is as vital, you know, in terms of financial impact on how you how you go about it. You know, the longer you spend down in that championship, you, you obviously your resources diminish. You've not got the, the television money, anything like that you get in in the, in the Premier League, and that affects your squad. Yeah. And Dundee have a massive squad. We've seen that. We've seen that. So they are shelling out. But I think that, as as Tom says, even if they can't get anyone out. The directors and, and the owners have got to look and say, look, a wee bit of investment here could pay off big style in three or four months' time. It could make the difference yeah. to getting over the line and not getting over the line, which could be massive, you know, financially. So, yeah. Yeah, because I, I think Air will probably go for it. Yeah. I don't think that... I think they're in pretty good shape as a club um, behind the scenes and all that sort of stuff. So but I, I think it, they it, might It's push. funny, both... At this level and above, it's hard to tell what teams are going to do in mm. January because they've got external money, for want of a better phrase, mm -hmm. from owners who've got a bit of money themselves. So you, you 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 don't just because you think times are hard. Look at you know what are they earning week to week? There's a few clubs here: Dundee, Queens Park, Queens Park. They will definitely above spend money. United. I've got owners that could put their hand in their pocket mm. and come up with a bit of cash. So it's up to... Tim Keyes, Mark Ogden, are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> but no, Queen's Park are only a point behind Dundee at the moment, and I think they'll certainly spend a bit of money because that's what they've been doing for a while now. And they'll see two points off top heading towards Christmas. They'll see this as a chance that they can just go straight straight through the championship. That said, is the advantage Dundee have got over Air and Queen's Park is guys looking at it, I'll say... Oh. Dundee, they're a Premier League team very often. Yeah. Aaron, uh, no matter how much, you know, unless it's ridiculous sums of money, guys might go, well, wait wait a year. I've, I've always thought uh, if you could, if you get an offer from the team that's just been promoted, you think, think, well, I'd rather have this offer next summer when they've stayed up. Mm -hmm. And in the context that Dundee have been in the Premier League, yeah, they've shown they're capable. It's decades that. since here where Queen's Park never have. Yeah. And, 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 it, and it makes them more appealing to... Also, Queen's Park don't have a stadium just now. Well, they're playing back Air in Hamilton. Got Somerset Park. Yeah, I saw that at the weekend. Well, I think they've just given up on Oakville View because they were struggling. They had to keep moving the games to Fridays because Sugenta, the I don't, I don't know what division Sugenta play in, but they had... The, pre the booking for the Saturday <laughs> afternoon. Really? So that's, that's when their the game's played, so Queen's Park couldn't play on a Saturday afternoon. Imagine, imagine, Scottish if, football, eh? imagine if there's 18 boys <laughs> wearing jogging bombs <laughs> playing at <laughs> 3 o'clock on a Saturday. We booked it. Oh, hi, that's <laughs> your <laughs> in Scottish football. That would be, that'd be great. It would be great to get a picture of who's yeah. actually playing at 3 o'clock on a Saturday. Yeah. We've but got the book anyway. Look at looking far, quite far ahead and it's, yeah. It's a long way away, but the last game of the season for Dundee is away to Queen's Park. Yeah. Every Dundee fan will, day will hope that it's, it's done and dusted by I, then. <laughs> so, so the mind games have started already. Yeah. Dundee can't boot a bus because they don't know where it's going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be a hand Some, Somewhere in Scotland. If, if it's on the line or if, if as you say, they might have been good enough to have it yeah. done by then, it'll be a big part. Seriously, so. though, I'm looking at it and I've said all along. It's a long, long way. When from. Dundee were sort of struggling September, October. It was early days. And, and the thing that gave me real hope was that I never saw another team in that division, Tom, that I thought I was really worried that we were going to go and run away with it. Yeah. Air were good. I, I give them that. And, and I think in, in the deep work in Yemen, they've, no doubt, they've definitely got the best striker in that division. But I, I think they're a wee bit of a one-man band. I, I think they've got talent. But not the depth of talent that Dundee have in their squad. Mm. But when they were going well and Queen's Park were going well and Dundee were a wee bit off it, I wasn't too concerned because, you know, I never saw anybody run away with it. 
I'm looking at the, that league now, and I think every other club is looking at Dundee going, who's going to stop them at this point in time? You know, they go for and seven wins in a row, that's building momentum, 10 without defeat will be, or something like that. I'm not sure, George. Quite close, yeah, yeah I think. Yeah, you're starting, you're starting to look at one club who can, is capable of putting a run together, and we've seen it in the past, and you could, you could over the course of sort of a month of football, you could stretch that league wide open. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see that now. That there's two or three at the top. We've done. You could keep that sort of form yeah. going. By the time we get to the end of January, you could see teams like Inverness and Park and being right. You know, teams that you would consider your rivals for for promotion out there running effectively, just scrambling for playoff slots. And you could you could pick them off one by one from that point. You know, yeah. so yeah, Dundee for me are the team. I've, I, I would You're think that the others yeah. would worry about. And I've, I've not seen a team like that in that league yet. So yeah. that, 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 on, on that note, I, I think that's why the next two games are so important. Yeah. Yeah. Dundee playing Cove at home and then obviously the, the air game. Air have got our way to Partick on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So that, that'll not be easy because they, they seem to have picked up a wee bit after their really poor run. But yeah, we'll certainly see... You. Well, this is the last two games of the the year as well. We'll certainly see in these two games where Dundee are going to be going into 2023. And I think we... Bear and I have been brought up pessimistic (laughs) by decades of disappointment. That's got a nice ring to it. But um, if you were a fan of any other team, you would be really worried about Dundee. Yeah. I I remember going back to... uh, the, the season when Dundee spent a lot of money in the championship and were well ahead, long before Inverness caught them, I was resigned to Inverness catching yeah. them because you see a team on form mm-hmm. and, and you, you usually, and it could hey, it could happen on Saturday, it could happen at air. Usually when a run's coming to, end, coming to an end, you see a sign of it and there's no sign no. of that with Dundee just now, is there? No, there's not. And you're right to mention Inverness because that's exactly who I was thinking about, you know, when, when they used to, at that point in time, you start looking at Inverness, got worried about them. Similarly, I think I remember Ross Kempty doing exactly the same thing in the championship. You looked at them, they came to Dens. They, they would either win or, or take that point away. And you knew at that point in time that Dundee would have to go up north and, and get a result. And that was not always a tall order. Yeah. Um, but the win at Inverness should give Dundee a lot of encouragement as well on that matter. And at this point, George Cran is leaving the building. Bye-bye. And we're back. As I said, George Cran has left the building. The time it took us to get this all sorted out, he's probably left the building and come back again. But we're joined on the line from London by Ewan Smith. I can't believe I can't believe that we've managed to do this, Ewan. Can you? No, I can't actually. Super subs coming in for, for mainly because you had to do something at your end. I have to say, because we had an expert in setting it up from <laughs> this end. Yeah, well, there's certainly no experts in this household, to be honest, if you're down here in London. So, um, well, there may be a sister darts expert, but there's no one else is an expert in this house. Who heard what we're talking about Dundee United and left the building? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm here with Alan Souter, and uh, Alan Souter's not the biggest Dundee United fan. He's, he, he's he actually most, he, He's elected, you know. All the, all the good guys are elected, you know that. No. <laughs> I worked there a long time ago. Good guys was not a phrase that ever came to mind. <gasps> That's a joke. But anyway, we are yeah. here to speak about Dundee United, Ewan. Mm-hmm. And it all kicks off again this week. It actually kicks off with Rangers Thursday night, but it kicks off for United on Saturday. Livingston away, if I've done my mm-hmm. research properly. And mm-hmm. it, they really have to start going now, don't they? They do, but you know, they can take a little bit of heart from the last time they played at Livingston. Um, I was at that game the last time and it was it was actually Liam Fox's first official game as as manager. Um, and what an impact he made that night. Um, he got, the, the I mean, they were well up for the cup. It was a cup tie. It was a league cup. Uh, well, You'll yeah, know what his well, exact name is these days, won't you? Uh, oh, is it the Fireplay now? Oh, I, I, saw, I saw that yeah. on my Sky the other day. It's not Premier Sports anymore. No, Fireplay have taken over, taken over Premier Sports. Sort of, so the tournament's changed name mid tournament. There you go. But, really? but they did. Yeah, they've shifted they did the goalposts after the first whistle. Oh, uh, they should have. They should have. But didn't like I say, Dunn United performed really, really well that night. Um, full of heart, full of spirit, full of drive. And you know, it's a thing in football, you'll know this, we've been around dressing rooms from over the years and waiting around for players to come out and speak after games. 
music's a big thing in football dressing rooms. And I'd been outside the United dressing room because I'd been through a pretty horrific run prior to that. Um, but it was the first time I really heard the music blaring loud out the dressing room. The players were up for it. Uh, Foxy, the boss, was going around shaking everybody's hand, thanking them for contributions. And that's one thing I would like to say about him is he always he always marks out everybody else's contributions to what's happening in terms of his coaching team. So he's very much about team. He's very much about building a team spirit. I think he wants um, images of the team together celebrating and not on their own as individuals. And that's what they need. That's what they absolutely need going forward. Because because let's let's not beat about the bush. They are bottom of the league now. This is we're 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 getting into a very tricky point in the season, and they are going to have to pick up and get the results that they need to try and climb off the bottom. Bear, you used words like character, spirit about United's League Cup performance at Livingston. They're also words you would use about Livingston every week. So. <laughs> It is, it's a tough game, especially when you're looking for your first away win it of the is, season. It is. I mean, a lot of people look at it and think, well, there's a chance. But if you were going to pick where you didn't want to go, Livingston would be high <laughs> high up the list, I think, uh, you and I said. You mm -hmm. know, David Martindale has put together a terrific side, a strong side. They know how to win football matches. You know, they can win it. They've got skillful players, but they know how to, how to get points, the scrap, the battle. And it'll be a really, really tough, really tough 90 minutes for Dundee United. And they're in a situation where United have to come out the blocks quickly. There's no other way. I think Ross Graham, we'll, we'll touch on him in a minute, but you know he said earlier this week in the paper, they can't afford a slow start. And never was a tour worth spoken. You know, when you're three points adrift at the bottom mm -hmm. of the league, they've got, I think it's I mean, just looking at it, five or six games or something coming up over the next the next period, five games or so. Um Five games five games Saturday yeah. and January the 8th. January the 8th. Could now, define their season, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it could also... It, it could They could find themselves a, a couple of rungs up the ladder if they can get themselves moving in the right direction. And as as Ewan's touched on, what will that do for team spirit? As much as you, you, uh, Liam Fox is trying to foster that team spirit, you know, he doesn't want individuals... He'd rather see the, the team celebrating together. You can see what that could do. They get on a run, they get the supporters, everybody moving in the right direction. And, you know, I, th I do believe that United have the talent to get away from the bottom of that league. There's no doubt about that. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can see that other teams are capable. We thought, you know, when they had that wee sort of run where the, you know, they managed to beat Kilmarnock, they managed to beat Hibs. And people thought, well, they, they turned the corner. But, you know, other teams aren't going to sit back. There's nobody going to fall away here. There's nobody going to drop off. Ross County, Kilmarnock are well capable of picking up points themselves. So you need to have to be on it. Where they're starting from at the bottom, they have to be on it from word go. And you and you know Foxy, if you're rather mm -hmm. familiarly called him. <laughs> but by now, he'll be focusing uh, and getting the players focused on Saturday's game specifically. But is, is he the kind of guy that he would have said, perhaps more eloquently than I did. We've got this wee run of games coming up over the Christmas period. We can really kickstart our season. Do you know, I genuinely, and it's such a boring and old cliche, but I think that Foxy deals One with the game, game now. Time. No, I think he genuinely does, you know, and, and in some respects, I was really impressed by the way he did that. You know, he handles things really well. He handled the transition overtaking on, first of all, on a caretaker basis, the the man, the, the head coach role from Jack Ross, um, because it must have been a shock to him as well, because Jack Ross was only in the job for a matter of weeks and then he was gone, you know, so that was a shock. He handled that really well. I remember being with him the next day. I went for a walk with him the next day and I talked and he was very, very focused, but he's very focused on what he's dealing with now, uh, here and now. Um, he will not, genuinely not be looking beyond Livingston and he shouldn't either because Livingston, as you're pointing out, are a, a very, very good side. They're underestimated by so many people. Um, it's almost as if it's just a historical thing. Oh, well, it's just Livingston, you know? Yeah. Um, and they're living on the back of that. But they are a very good side. David Martindale is an outstanding coach. Um, what he's achieved at Livingston with the resources in comparison to the other side is unbelievable. Um, and he's got some very talented players as well. You know, I mean, we... I, I'm obviously going to talk about Joel Nubley, but I saw him at Tannadice um, earlier in the season um, running the Dundee United defence ragged. And I know 
the defences all over the country, defenders, they do not like facing a player of his ability. Um, but it's not just that. It's about how Livingston set themselves up. You'll have seen them play as well, Bert. I mean, it's how they, how organised mm-hmm. they are, how they, how, you know, how they go with a game plan. And sometimes you look at the game plan and you think, oh, well, that's not the most exciting yeah. football plan in the world. But if you're, if, if you're a football a football analyst and you look at it from a tactician perspective, they get it spot on time and time mm-hmm. again. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about Joel Nubley. Sometimes he can be absolutely unplayable. Mm-hmm. And that, that's not to say, I mean, y- y- you've got to you've got to bear that in mind and you've got to cut the supply. So cut the supply route out. Cut mm-hmm. out the supply route even to, to yeah. Joel Nubley because he's such a handful. Of, I've, I've seen guys trying to stand off him. I've seen guys trying to kick him. I was going to he say, just, has he got that mix? You, so you always want a mix of attributes if you're a manager with a player like that. And has he got the thing that if you, if you go tight, he's got strength. If you give him half a yard, he's got ability. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. He, he, he does have that. I mean, but the problem you've got is you devote too, too much time to Joel Newbley. Livingston have got other players who can hurt mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can only you can only ask somebody to go out and do a job. But yeah, it's a, it's a tough, tough. I mean, Livingston used to. I used to think Livingston benefited. There's no doubt they do benefit from having the Astro tough pitch. But they're more than that now. They've evolved. That side has evolved into a very, very good team under David Martindale. And as I say, the one thing I like about them, they seem to know, they know when to play and they know when to be aggressive. Controlled aggression, but they know how to, how to clamp down teams and, and nullify teams. And uh, when they get their noses in front, they can be very difficult. So it's going to be it's going to be tough for you. There's a few big questions, I think, where uh, Liam Fox is going to answer with his team selection on, on Saturday. I mean... The goalkeepers, I don't know who's going to start with. It's going to be Mark Baragiti or it's, it's uh, uh, Carl John Eriksson. Um, midfield, Dylan Levitt. Let's hope that Dylan Levitt comes back in the sort of form that he, he, he finished up with at United before he went to the World Cup. The World Cup would have been a disappointment for Dylan Levitt and for the entire Wales nation, I've got to say. Um, but hopefully he can find that, that spark that he rekindled in himself after a wee, after Liam Fox had a word with him earlier on in the season that he wasn't wasn't producing enough. He had more to offer because he can do that. He could be a big player for Dundee United. But there's a few others as well need to step up to the plate big style because United, as we say, United need to pick up points, you know, from the word go. In- interesting point uh, Bear makes about Dylan Levitt there in the World Cup. I was I was reading a thing mm-hmm. the other day and it was actually, uh, the story was Jaden Sancho and the problems he's unfortunately having just now. But then uh, the Man United manager, Eric Tag, Heaven Tag said they with vastly greater resources than a club like United have got staff on hand for all the remaining players in the World Cup so that whatever happens when they come back, they're ready to give them help if they need it. And he made the point that you can have a great World Cup and it's a problem coming back. You can have a great World Cup, it's not a problem coming back, but you can have a bad World Cup and be relieved to be coming back to your club or you can have a big hangover. So he said, just because whatever's happened to them at the World Cup, you've got to be pre- prepared for good and bad. Now, on the uh, on the surface, you would say if there's going to be a problem at United, it would more likely be Dylan Levitt. Wales didn't do well. He didn't re- didn't feature at all. I think I'm right in saying. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, as is Besic, if I've got his name right. You would think he'll come back on a high because Australia had a brilliant uh, time, exceeded expectations, and he almost took the the game against Argentina to extra time with a with his great Maisie that we referred to last week. But it might be back to reality, back to the day job, and he doesn't like it. And Levitt's maybe happy to get the chance to play. You just don't know, do you? No, you're, you're that right was the longest question ever, by the way, wasn't no, it? That was longer no. than the World Cup. I think that was to me, but I'll take it. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> um, no, I think uh, it's, it's a difficult one, like you say. I mean, Dylan Levitt, from the perspective, OK, he's had a really disappointing time. He's gone out there, Wales haven't performed well, and he hasn't been on the pitch at all. But does he take a boost from the fact that he's still very young and he's had that experience of being away? On a, on a big stage in a big tournament that he never imagined maybe a couple of years ago would ever be possible. I don't know. Or does or does he have this in himself now that I never got on the pitch and I never had a chance to impact things? Um, 
he's a quiet boy, Dylan. There's no doubt about it, but he's a very, very um, astute thinker. You know, he, he thinks very deeply about the game. Um, so I believe he will be going away and analysing why he didn't get on the pitch. He'll be thinking about what he can do to improve that. Um, we spoke about this podcast before. He was he was left out outside at Celtic Park and then he was brought on the bench and he, I saw an instant impact when he came on the pitch and he, he scored a goal um, and he played well. So I think that we might see a, a rejuvenated uh, Dylan level over time um, and I would like to see him getting more box-to-box. He's not been able to do that at Dundee United as much this season because of the system that's been played and he's been required to be deeper. But I think he's most effective when he goes box-to-box. In terms of BH, I mean, he had a brilliant World Cup, didn't he? You know, you look at that and you think... But it might I mean, be his long... last. I know, but alongside Harry Souter, who's getting an awful lot of deserved plaudits for, for what he did and looks like he's going to be a multi-million pound player, I genuinely believe that BH was Australia's next best player at the World Cup. Yeah, and, it's a fair trait. And, I mean, he showed his real attacking prowess. Um, we saw we saw that for Dun United, I mean, um, against Aberdeen, um, just like a few weeks prior to going to the World Cup, how effective he can be going forward. Um, he'll be buzzing for that. He also defended well. I think, against, well. I think against France, he's one of the few players in the World Cup that when Dembele went on a run, he was within 10 yards of him when he crossed it. Yeah, yeah do you know what? Genuinely, right? I, I've said that before, but I think his biggest quality on the pitch is his attitude. I think he's a winner. When he steps on that pitch, you can almost see it in his eyes. When you look at him, you can see it. You can tell somebody that's got that winning mentality. When you look at their eyes and you see that steely glare that they give you and they say, I'm not losing today. And he's like that on the pitch. Um, he's, he, he, he goes in for every challenge with that attitude. He'll track back. Um, he'll bomb forward. I mean, we saw the, the pictures of him and Messi are, are legendary, aren't they? You know, of him squaring yeah. up to Messi. You know, he's, he's up against... Possibly the best player to ever grace the game, and he is not at all intimidated by that. So, um, hopefully, he comes back with that kind of attitude for Dun United. Genuinely, we said it again in this podcast, and maybe Beryl have thoughts on this. I genuinely will not be surprised though if bids start coming in in January for him. That's an interesting one. I would hope he at least sees out the season at United. Although it is a big uh, football, uh, like the rest of life, it gets hit by fashions, doesn't it? And uh, the number of players that hadn't been in the headlines in terms of transfer speculation uh, before the World Cup, who are now because they've had a good World Cup, uh, we'll go into the World Cup later, but it does alarm me slightly that on the basis of, in most cases, less than a month's football, they suddenly guys can become wanted by everybody. You would hope, you would hope really that in the modern sport, they were watched a lot longer than three or four games on the TV. Yeah, but I'll give one quick point before I let Bear go on this. One thing about that is, if you see, obviously, you see the flashes of what BH did in the World Cup and you take it and you say, right, look, he looks a quality player, then that piques somebody's interest. It's almost like the CV's dropped on your door and the opening line looks really interesting and you read on a bit more. So I think that's what would happen with yeah, that's BH. that's what he's got they in would... his favour. He's got a good CV, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once you look deeply into his career, you actually think, God, he's got a bit of pedigree about him. So it wouldn't just be, oh, well, he's done brilliantly for a month and then you look back and say, well, he's not done anything before this. So they would say, oh, actually, look at what he's done before. Mm-hmm. Why is he, why, why so that's why I think he might be the subject of interest from other clubs in January. Yeah, that's uh, you're right. He was fantastic in the World Cup, and I, I don't know if it's an Australian thing. You and the attitude that there is a big, a lot of them in that team, you know, are well capable. I mean, they look as though they feel they could play above their level, and that's what you need, you know, and that's what Dundee United are going to need as well. You know, that sort of that determination and. and resolve the situation they're in and you just don't know what's going to happen in the January transfer window and you're neither like every other club in the land you know finances aren't great for for anybody at this point in time you know and if somebody sticks a big enough offer on the table it'd be hard for the the board to you know reject it but he's on contract to you isn't he? he's on contract yeah, yeah, for yeah. the next 18 months or so isn't it so he's yeah. the nicest player to the summer so I'd have to be something major. One thing you, you hope doesn't happen is there is an offer and it unsettles a player during a, during a very, very important time for, for Dundee United. That's that's the last thing you need. 
you know, where United are at the moment. I don't, I don't see that happening. No. He's going to be a major, a major man for Dundee United. You know where they, where they're at. And, uh, you know, he'll be, he'll be. His name will be one of the first ones on the team sheet. I would imagine. I think, I think he's a very, uh, I think he's, he's actually integrated and settled into life in Scotland mm. really exceptionally well. You know, um, when I spoke to him in the past, he was very, very happy with what life was like in Scotland. You know, um, he's at the he's same some, time he's he came a long way to play his football in Europe. He's moved to a couple of countries. I always think once once a player changes country, they're much more open to moving again. True, but he stayed in Turkey for an awful long time. You know, um, he didn't he didn't just flip flip from one country it to another. Just so the he weather did, here, he might want to go back. There. <laughs> Aye, well that's true. That's a, that's a bit of a change. That's a bit of a change. I mean, the, the flip side of this, I'm talking about the potential for a bid to come in. The flip side of this, and the point, the other positive side. Well, there's two positive. One positive is that if Dun United did get bids in because of his contractual situation, they can probably demand top dollar on that. Um, the second thing is, if he, if he doesn't and he stays, um, and he's got the kind of attitude that he's shown, um, that they're going to have a real leader on the pitch, and they need as many leaders as they can possibly get on the pitch right now to get out of their situation. You know, They've got their captain, who I think is a fantastic captain, in Ryan Edwards. I think he's brilliant at leading the players on the pitch, and I think he really, really understands the role off the park as well. But they also need other leaders out there with him on the pitch. And the more that you can have in that starting eleven that are that are taking the, the game by the scruff of the neck, that are willing to to roll up their sleeves when the chips are down, like as HBH does, then the better it will be for the United's survival hopes. And since we're talking about transfers or potential transfers, what, what does Liam Fox do in January, Ewan? Does he look to bring people in or does he stick with... With what we keep saying, is a good squad, albeit it's had a bad four or five months? It's a difficult one for him because he's not really had that opportunity to make his own imprint on the squad. I know I know he was there working with Tam Courts last season and he worked with Jack Ross, but the only player that he's been able to bring in under his watch is Arnold Zoom. Um, and I know that he was keen to bring him in, not just because of what he can do in the park, but because of the, the kind of character that Arnold Zoom is off the park. But You've got to imagine that whilst whilst he's not he's not going to make wholesale changes, that he's going to want to bring in one or two. Um, he's probably, but that would possibly involve one or two going out as well. You know, in terms of swapping about. Um, I still think they're probably looking for some reinforcements in attack. Um, there's no doubt that they will be looking at the goalkeeping situation and wondering whether or not they need to bring another keeper in. Um, to challenge the ones they've got or to change what they've got. Um, so I th- And also, I mean, there's been always this talk about a, a CDM, a ball-winning CDM-type player, um, which they've actually missed the player that they've been missing, I think, over the last year or so, Jando Fuchs. Not the Jando Fuchs we saw. For those of you who don't use text and WhatsApp and other social media, CDM Central, defensive <laughs> midfielder, I think. Oh, CDM. sorry. Yeah, as, talk English, laddie. Do you know what? I We're spent old. too much time. I, t- I spent too much time <laughs> talking football with my son. My son's sixteen, and he uses all these these modern phrases that I don't really understand myself, right? But um, sending us emojis next. Yeah, yeah, but I think so. Jando Fuchs, right? They miss. They don't miss the Jando Fuchs we saw in the last four or five weeks of his Dunyanese career because. With the greatest respect in the world, I think Jando Fuchs' head was already turned at that point, yeah. and he was already his his head was already somewhere else. But they do miss the Jando Fuchs we saw before that, with that energy, that drive, the ability to stick a tackle in, um, and just something to g up. And I think they need a player of that ilk to release the Dylan Levitt that I believe is his best. You know where he's where he's going further forward, and he's he's having shots from twenty five yards, and he's scoring worldies and that's that's what I think they need. They need that, but it's whether it's very easy for me to say that, and they can go and sign that. But but it comes down to player availability, getting the right player, having the money to do it, um, getting over the line. But um, I think that a lot of supporters would probably have been crying out for that since the start of the season. Um, and let's see what happens. Yeah, as, as you and says, it's a it's a tough choice for Liam Fox, but is it probably a case of quality, not quantity? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think he's got quantity there. I think he's got he's got a big enough squad. He's getting getting the right people and as you said, you know, he might be able to do something in the transfer. The big problem I've got with the transfer window is is 
United do, you would expect, have to get, similarly we spoke about Dundee earlier, you have to get players off the wage bill to bring players in. Mm-hmm. And what generally tends to happen when it's that sort of scenario, you're left waiting for something to happen. And that could take it right to the end of the transfer window. So we're, you're now looking, we've spoken about five games to January 8th. How many more games to the end of January? Where will United be by the time they might actually be able to change? Things could happen on the last day of, of the transfer window. You know, that's the sort of thing that, and we've seen it. We've seen it at Dundee United in the past where, you know, the last six hours of the transfer window and suddenly two guys go out the door and they're, they're, they're trying to bring boys in. So... Yeah, I, I, I won't be easy. The goalkeeping one's interesting. You know, the, the goalkeeping situation is a real conundrum for them. I, I would think that surely you and if, if they're going to bring another goalkeeper and one of them's got to go, mm-hmm. one, you, yeah. there's no way. And so that'd be a conversation they'd have to have. I think he's just got that. I was very surprised that he brought uh, Birigiti back in when he did at that point in time. I thought Ericsson had done relatively well. He's, he'd shown a bit of form. I, I, you know, I, I'm not saying he was right on top of his mm-hmm. game, or he wouldn't have been. He wouldn't have been dropped. But I think when he brought Barigiti back, I think that undermined Ericsson slightly. So you wonder what the situation is and how how they're feeling about themselves. You know how they feel about their future and whether one would be willing to move on elsewhere, and the knowledge that he might get, he might get a regular regular football. But I'd be very surprised if they bring another a third a third keeper, and surely not on top of the, the fact of what the young lad Jack Newman as well in there, you know. So no, I think you're yeah. right. I think one would have to go for one to come in. There's no doubts about that. They wouldn't do that. And I think it's already it's all it's already the, the conundrum that like you see of keeping all the keepers happy at the minute because that's it's so difficult. And you do wonder if part of the reason for Barry Getty was that Barry Getty sitting on the sidelines and thinking, well, he'd almost been would I say scapegoat's too strong a word but he'd almost been the player that had been almost a finger point and been blamed on the outside yeah, out game certainly and, been and highlighted I, hadn't he yeah and do you know what I, I think it's a bit unfair you know I think I, I think I think maybe I've pointed this out before if you look at his stats he's actually save percentage is, is right up there in the top four and, and also you and, when they were losing a lot of goals from crosses he can't come off his line and be the one heading the ball away and then the one saving if he doesn't you know what I mean there was, yeah. there, was there was other culprits there is a lot of focus placed on people's height as well as a goalkeeper and Beryl obviously if you've been in goals you know you know what it's like but but you can still not be the six foot five six foot uh, six keeper and still be an exceptional keeper I'm not placing Matt Berigetti in the same bracket as Andy Gorham, but I'm saying that Andy Gorham was a small keeper who yeah. made made a lot of saves. I don't I still think between the two of those keepers there is a really good keeper there. I still believe they've got the, the approach and the attitude, but it's just not happened for one reason or another for them. And I think they've been unfortunate when you look at big score lines it always, it, the attention, the spotlight always goes yeah. on the goalkeeper. Whether or not the goalkeeper's made about 10 worldly saves and it could have been 20 now, if, lo- if they're losing games 7 now, they're losing games 9 now, it's always the keeper that's the first point that somebody looks at. Good stuff. Um, before, we, before we move on to Ewan's favourite subject, Lionel Messi's great, um, we'll round off United, a, a story that came up a day or so ago, and a person I think they deserve a bit of credit, Hib- and you were at United at the time this happened, Hibs coming out and confirming mm-hmm. one of their fans made the racist remark that was highlighted in the, the game at Tannadice back in October. I mean, frankly, if they'd have swept it under the carpet and got away with it for this length of time, probably the matter wouldn't have been raised again. And I think that's where Hibs deserve credit that they went and got the uh, got mm-hmm. the, the sound analysed and have come out and strongly condemned what mm-hmm. turns out was one of their own fans. Yeah, do you know, it's an interesting situation because I can remember vividly what happened that night. And I remember, I remember the social media clips started to circulate um, and then there was an awful lot of people jumping to conclusions um, and assumptions being made that this had been a Dun United supporter purely on the basis and it was it was just coincidental of the uh, of Tavares the the Hibs player had walked across the the vid, the footage at the same point as the audio of that sound had been made um but what people weren't aware of until the days that passed where the where the audio mics so you know you're not you're a technical guru now with Morvan coming in and help you all that you'll know all about audio. <laughs> but the the audio mics You mean I sat and watched and went, What's that? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the audio mics were absolutely nowhere near where the footage was being shot yeah. from. So, so that's that was the whole point. The audio mics were positioned in front of their away stand. Um, so picking up quite clearly, audibly, it was away fans. At Dun United at the time, we knew instantly that when we when we listened to the audio, that the sound had come from their way end because of where the, the uh, microphones were positioned. Yeah. It took it took guys in the media. <laughs> A little bit of time to catch up. It took guys in other clubs to time to catch up. With hey, that. remember you're back on our side. I'm now. back on yeah. your side. We did, we did, yeah, I'm back but on To our be side. fair, at the time, I think the finger was being heavily pointed at Dundee United because, of, like you say, the audio and the video, and you're looking at it and you're thinking, that's a Dundee United fan. But I've got to say, in, in, in terms of our newspapers, we were very careful how we, how we went forward with yeah. that. We did not, I don't think, pointing the finger at Dundee United, they said it had happened, but there was, you know, we had to get to the bottom of how it actually, who it actually was before we started pointing the finger at certain people, you know. Yeah. I think others weren't so uh, holding back on their, you know, their assumption of what happened. Yeah, there is a way, say, well, there is... well done to Hibs for not sweeping yeah. it under the carpet once yeah. they've had it analysed. They've come out strongly, mm. and, yeah. and as it should be, they've not let the time lapse be their excuse for I, just forgetting yeah. about it. There is, there, like I say, I mean, we've, we've gone through the, the, ins and outs of what could have happened, what did happen, whatever and that. But the wider picture is that it's absolutely unacceptable for anybody to go into a football stadium and have and and make a racist remark, a racist comment, a racist jibe. Ah, it's, just, it's, just, it's just it's just it's beyond just, belief that it still goes on, isn't it? It's, it's genuinely I mean anyone around about around about that person, anyone that knows the person should be embarrassed for for that person. You know it's really, really not acceptable behaviour in this day and age, you know. I mean, I've I've always brought my, I'm trying to get a deep meaningful thing. I've always brought my kids up to to respect everybody, regardless of race, regardless of sex, regardless of sexuality, regardless of what you look like. And I, for me, a person is a person. And to go to a football match and somebody doing a job yes. and to be to and we'll all be a, human beings. Exactly. Just treat for a change. That was me putting it concisely. Yeah. Do you know what? Just go to a football match, have your banter, have fun, sing your funny songs that are not. That are not offensive to somebody. Um, you know, have have the wind ups in the bars before the game, wind ups after the game, wind ups in the pub. But don't get personal about somebody's appearance, about somebody's background, about their culture, about their sexuality, um, about how they look. Just let the person go on and play. And I know it's easier said than done, but it really is a horrible, horrible thing. And it saddens me really deeply that it still exists in modern day society. Great stuff, as I say, after this. Bear and I will speak about the World Cup. You know, speak about Lionel Messi. Come on then, you, and tell us about how great Lionel is. Oh, do you know what? I'm going to tell you a story, right? Uh, <laughs> when oh, was, God, Max sorry, sorry. I know you're in London, but you don't have to, you don't have to call up the ghost of Max Bygraves. No. I can tell you a story. This is a little bit sad, actually. Right, I'm, I'm what, like, I'm, I'm now forty five years old, and when I was in probably in my late thirties or mid thirties, I did have Lionel Messi posters up in my bedroom. Lionel, um, he's named after Lionel Richie. It's uh, not Lionel. A Leo Messi. Lionel. Let's call him Leo Messi, and we're safe. But um, Leo. Uh, we had that, and my son, my son absolutely adores him. I mean, he's, he's just such an amazing football player. Do you know? He's the reason why people watch football, isn't he? You know, when he gets the ball at his feet, you just know something magical is going to happen. He's going to he's going to make a, a a fantastic touch to to slip by somebody. He's going to make an incisive pass. He's going to turn somebody. He's going to beat about three four players. But this has been his stage, and you know I'm so delighted for him because I'm fed up hearing this. Oh well, he'll never be the greatest ever because he's he's never done it in the World Cup. You know, he's only ever played for Barcelona. That was that used to be the case. Now he's only ever played for Barcelona. He's played for Paris Saint Germain. He's never played in the English Premier League. You don't need to play. In you the English you do Premier. know that Bear and I have been away for lunch and come back again, and you're still speaking. <laughs> My last one, yeah. but this—he's been outstanding, hasn't he? He's been like, what's what's your thoughts on him? That's quite good. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think for me, the 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 third goal against Croatia that he set up will go down as one of the great World Cup goals. Mm -hmm. There, yeah, it's here. He's outstanding. It's, 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 it's just something the stage is set for him. And you know what? I think 
I think France have got an edge for Sunday's final, but I'm hoping that for Messi it is, it is Argentina who, who go and uh, lift the trophy because he's quite simply an outstanding footballer. And, and, and Ewan's absolutely right. You know, you love you love seeing him on the ball. You're, everybody's half out their seats the moment he gets it because you just don't know what he's going to do. But he certainly knows what he's doing. And as, as it shows you... They were they were talking about it. how does he how is he able to hold off you know he, what is he five foot seven five foot eight maybe he's even less yeah, yeah maybe even less that. than that and he's able to hold off a six foot four centre half with his strength and it's his movement I think more than anything else you saw that you know he's he's not got a electric pace he has got pace but he's not got electric pace that that, that but he's away also from lost some, lost some of it yeah but it's the twists it's the turns and. You know what, his stats are up there. What is it, five goals and three assists, I think, in this tournament? And the stage is set for him on Sunday. You know what's going to happen in this week's domestic footballer as the Premier League returns and the Championship comes back after its Challenge Cup break is attacking players all over Scotland and probably much further beyond are going to be running up to defenders and stopping and then they'll probably trip over the ball or something <laughs> like that. But it's a, I mean, it is, yeah. the, you don't... The one thing I saw that I think the third goal you, you mentioned that and he was up against it was what's the, the guy Givardio, the, the Croatian defenders are the big lad with the face. Yeah, mask. he's unbelievably good player. But you, you're talking about the twists and the turns. The one thing that Messi always does, he's always got control of the ball. Yeah. He's twisting and turning, but the ball is always stuck to his foot. You know, he never loses, never loses sight of that. So, um, and then he gets himself underneath the, the, the centre half effectively. Another the thing I noticed about him and the boy uh, Alvarez when he scored the, the second goal, they've got that South American thing that obviously they want to control the ball with their foot, but if the ball's thigh height, if it's knee height, if it's waist height, they'll use other parts of their body yeah, yeah. to bring it under control. That's one of the things they've, they've got over a lot of European players is they can, they can knock it down with their thigh yeah. You know, and bring it under control so quickly. But Tom, you just have to go back to the, the one of the greatest World Cup goals of all time, Maradona's uh, the second goal against England. You know, when when he runs from the halfway line, it touches just about every part of his body before he puts it in the net. You're right, his thigh, his chest, uh, you know, uh, both feet. It's just sensational. We've got a very low centre of gravity, gravity, and they take the take the ball with them and. Uh, yeah, I mean, if this is if this is to be Messi's last World Cup, and it probably will be, what a, what a great way to go out if he's, if he's got the trophy in his hands on Sunday night. You know, what, I was I was thinking about that as well. But and before we we'll wrap up with predictions, there'll always be this thing: if France win it on Sunday, and that person, I think it's a fifty-fifty game. People will go on about Messi, but really, the fact that he's now been so influential in reaching two finals, and in both, I mean, you get Germany and France are the two teams you'll have played against in finals. They're games that either team can win and either team can lose. Does he not deserve to be up there in terms of, you know, his, his achievement alongside the likes of Pelle and Maradona? Because if you, if you get to a World Cup final, surely that should be enough. Because teams win finals, teams lose finals. Do you know what I think? I, I, it kind of annoys me this debate a little bit about about he has to win the World Cup to be the greatest ever because it's surely it's an individual accolade and the individual will be the best will in the world. I know Messi can carry teams and stuff like that, but it's the team that gets to the final. I mean, there's players that have won World Cups that are nowhere near the level of Lionel Messi. I mean, we've got um, we've got players that have that have been to World Cup finals. You're like, how did he even get a World Cup winners medal? You know, so it's. I, I saw him play against uh, Dundee United Reserves at Dundee Violets Ground, oh. Stefan Kivars. Oh, I, I hate to absolutely say it, but that was actually the name that was in my head when I was saying that, and I didn't want to name him, but you've named him I know, No offence to the lad, but I was I was looking over that day, and I was thinking, I've seen better players playing here when the Violet have played. It's actually quite a good quiz question. Yeah. That, uh, you know, who, I've ruined name, it. Name the World Cup. Name the World Cup winner who's played at Glenesque Park, Park Dundee. <laughs> and it was Stefan it was Stefan Givars. Yeah. yeah. But there's so many yeah. there's so many there's so many people you're you're either in the Messi, the greatest ever camp, or you're 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 looking for reasons to, to throw against them. But he, he seems to be ticking off every box at the minute, you know, that everybody's thrown at him. The only one that he's not done is played in the English Premier League, but 
do you know what? He doesn't have to play in the English Premier League. Neither did Pele or Maradona. Exactly. And Pele, to, am, I right in saying, am I right in saying Pele never played, aside from a little brief sw- so- sojourn into American football, he, he, he didn't really play outside Brazil. And he still... Uh, he, there, there, there was actually, it was somebody else, it was a man called Pele, as the Americans like to call him, played for the New York Cosmos. Yeah, yeah. So, so he, Played against Jockey Scott, incidentally. I saw that highlighted somewhere. So you do, you don't have to you don't have to play you don't have to for me you don't have to win the World Cup you don't have to play the best it's your individual talent however if if he does lift the trophy I think that that's just the final argument today's podcast was brought to you by Ewan Smith Lionel Messi Inc. <laughs> and I think I think people should just stop now and just accept it and that goat emoji should just essentially should only ever be used when Lionel Messi's name's mentioned. It should never be used in any other context on on social media. The only time. Oh, I enough, you and in a word, and it will start with a. Who's going to win on Sunday? Uh, France. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's actually my spelling's bad enough for me to think that might start with a. Uh, no, do you know what? It's, it's going to be. A, it's going to be a fantastic final, isn't it? It's going to be incredible. And, it, I, and I wonder, you know, because you know what impresses me about Argentina and France, there can be very good teams with the ball, but they both get stuck in when they have to. They're winners. Yeah. They get. I know Argentina had the the full pack against Saudi Arabia, who were were great that day, but. They get stuck in. They don't. They don't hold anything back as well. And I. I wonder if because I think there have been the two teams who deserve to be in the final. Mm-hmm. It could be a classic like the four three when they met in the knockout stages four years ago, but it could also be a quite a brutal battle. Yeah, I think. Well, it will. It'll go. It'll go the distance. I think it'll go extra time. And I'm. I probably I'm still seeing France uh, on that, but I'll let Bear Bear decide. You'll be heartbroken. You won't be on the podcast next week because you'll still be greeting. I'll be crying. I'll be crying. <laughs> Bear. Bear. Yep, well, if I go back a few weeks before the competition started, I think we were sitting around here and I think there was a few calls. Who's going to win it? And it was Brazil, Brazil, Brazil. And I went for Argentina. Yes, you did. I, I think I tipped Brazil and Argentina in a ah, remarkable yeah, okay. bit of cheating. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm not going to I'm not going to change now. Yeah. Ar- Argentina, Argentina to win. Messi to score £10. Get that, get your money on that. Ten pound one. And and for me, the big question about the World Cup is: see the Argentinian fans. How do they manage to do that thing when they sort of? It's it's not quite a punch because it's open hands, and you two can see me doing it. That thing where they do that all the time with their hands above their head. How can you do that for ninety minutes? <laughs> I try to do it for five minutes, and my elbow was aching, my shoulder was aching. I also, accidentally punched the wall, so my knuckles were bleeding. Did you not? Have you not seen a Boca or a Platy game? Where, where they've got the fences behind the goal and, and they climb up these no, I just big... I just remember somebody holding Maradona by his breeks because he was f- screaming at screaming at the players and falling over the stand. Oh, they're, they're mental. They're absolutely mental. Oh, that's crazy. Do you know, it's one of my lifelong ambitions to go to a Boca or a Platy game uh, out there and, and Buenos Aires would be the place to go for that. And just, that would be my lifelong ambition well, because of the... the because of the passion is that not where they both play yeah I'm just just... (laughs) you're not I mean if you go you can go to Cordoba or somewhere else but you can go to Rio de Janeiro but you're not going to see these two play listen I'd love to see them play at Gayfield but I don't think that's going to happen always helps if you go to the right city yeah Yeah. (laughs) imagine a pre-season friendly between those two at Gayfield they get get blown back to Argentina (laughs) anyway superb you and you enjoy the darts and all the best to Alan Suter. Yeah, all the best to Alan. Pass on, right? Thank you. See you later. Bring it home for Scotland, lad. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Right. Cheers. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tandice or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.